brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit This is The Wheel Weaves, a Wheel of Time podcast with no spoilers. Welcome, listeners. I'm your host, Danny, and I'm the first-time reader going through this 15-book series chapter by chapter. As always, there's no spoilers past the chapter we're covering, and that means it's totally safe for first-time readers. I'm joined by my co-host, Brett, who's a longtime fan, and he's acting as my tour guide on this journey. We'd like to acknowledge and thank our executive producers, Brandy and Aaron Kirkwood, Andre the Man in White, and Chad Welsh. And before we get into things today, we just want to thank and welcome Tara Thompson to the Wheel Weaves Patreon team. Thank you so much for your generosity, and we're really excited to have your support. And this episode is extra special. We're super excited because we have a returning guest with us. Yeah, we do. It's Tyler. Hey, Tyler. Hey, happy to be back. Yeah, thanks for coming back. I know it's been a long time, but hey. Yeah, we thought that we'd have you back for another couple of super boring parent chapters. What do you (laughs) think? Yeah, I mean, it's consistent, and that's important. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you're pretty much the parent representative. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to no, bring... we had Tom on for also, other parents. Yeah, we always true. need a guest for parent chapters. For those of you who tell me that parent is your favorite chapter, you tell me why we always need a guest <laughs> yeah. for a parent chapter. Yeah, yeah. It's because not much is happening, and we're going to chat with our guests for a while. Yeah, I'm excited to have another chapter with Matt Unconscious. That's absolutely fun to read as well. <laughs> no one said that's fun to read no you, one said that i you, agree with you, you literally have said when matt does something i enjoy it i don't know why yeah. but when perrin does it i hate it i hate it you were it's on recording danny yeah i know fine well he's got you there okay okay well we are really excited to have you here and this episode we're talking about chapters 43 and 44 of the shadow rising Yeah, so we got chapter 43, Care for the Living, and chapter 44, The Breaking Storm. Okay, so since we're all excited to talk about Perrin today, I'm going to start us off with a really good fun fact. This time, it's something brand new. This one is interactive, and we're going to have to look at a picture, and then I'm going to tell you some fun facts about the Wheel of Time. Okay. Yeah. So to start off, I have the copy of the Eye of the World in front of me, and I'm going to get you to look at the inside cover, because there's... A picture that's not necessarily the cover art, but there's an inside picture, and I need you to tell me how many people are in this picture. It's going to become relevant, and I'll explain it after I get you to count. Now, is this in, like, every 
book because I know for a fact the Eye of the World that you're holding right now is like a first edition. Yes, yeah, so the picture is for sure not in every every copy of the Eye of the World, but I know that it is original artwork, which is also very relevant too. Okay. So we're going to pause. You're going to look at the number of people and what you're going to tell me. I see eight people, nine people. Well, these people are hard to see because they're like tiny in the back. Nine? Is it nine? Yeah. Should I see nine? The correct answer is nine people. Can you just tell me how many I'm supposed to see? No, I need you to count. Now, (laughs) now I need you to tell me how many people left Emmons Field. Okay. I knew that this is where this was going. Tyler, tell us how many people left Emmons Field. (laughs) (laughs) You're calling in a ringer, huh? Let's count Um, them off. So we got the three boys. We got Egwene. We got Tom. We got Landon Moraine. Seven. There's one more. Did she show up before? Brett's telling us. Yeah, I know, but did she... did not go with them. Did she didn't show up? She didn't leave Two Rivers with them. She didn't show up till Berlon. And she didn't... Exactly. So in the picture, when you're looking at it, it's it's a town. It's it's some sort of village. So it's not directly leaving Emmons Field, but like how many people left Emmons Field? Not... Yeah, so... With, okay, with so Nineveh, eight. it's eight. eight. Yeah, yeah. So the correct answer is eight people left Emmons Field. Nineveh. Okay. Everyone's gonna hate that. But you know what? We just <laughs> had this huge conversation in the Discord about how literally everyone pronounces every name differently, and yeah. even though they know they should pronounce it differently, they don't. So and it's we've like, got like audiobook recordings. We've got like glossary. We've got we'll like whatever. Know, so we'll know who you're talking about. Just yeah, we'll do figure whatever it out. feels right. Back to my fun fact, people. Come on. So. Right. Eight people left, but there's nine in the picture. Who's that ninth person? You're not going to know, and this is where the fun fact comes in. Steve. So I have an excerpt. <laughs> it is Steve, actually. Yes. No, but it's not Steve, <laughs> but it is. Okay. I have an excerpt from a conversation with Brandon Sanderson, and he says, Mr. Jordan wrote a large chunk of the Eye of the World with a fourth Two Rivers lad going along with Perrin, Matt, and Rand. He was going to be a major character. So technically, he was supposed to be the fourth Taviran. But then Brandon Sanderson goes on to say that Harriet talked Robert Jordan out of it, pointing out that the fourth lad never did anything useful. So the funny thing about the cover art is there's a little bit of controversy about this, but it looks like the artwork for this was commissioned before the fourth Two Rivers boy was actually taken out as the Taviran, which is why there's nine people in that picture, but we, the readers, know that there's only eight. You're giving a lot of credit to an artist that we know also didn't really draw based on the content of the book. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I know, I know. But it is a fact that he did write a fourth Two Rivers Boy being the fourth Taviran. That's interesting. Because to be fair, with yeah. The Great Hunt, I thought that was Moraine and Matt on the cover. Yeah, but so... the funny the funny part about that is, is that another reason is they took the fourth boy out is because that would have been too close to the Lord of the Rings where mm-hmm. the four hobbits left the Shire. That's true. But the funny part is there's a very good chance that the fourth Taviran, the fourth boy, was Danil. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. And we've met Daniel. Daniel. Daniel Lewin. Yes. So Daniel is the fourth boy, but he's no longer the fourth boy. Are you sure? Like, you don't know about that for sure. (laughs) Yes, I do. Oh, you do? Yeah. Because I was like, what about Dav? Dav's great. Is he the boy in this chapter, Brett? The boy who says he wishes he left with them? No, that's Dav. Oh, I was going to say that would have been perfect. I thought it would be good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Dav, though. Yeah. It's pretty well documented that it's Daniel. Um, But before we move on... I may or may not have promised someone 
that we were going to start doing shots for Lord of the Rings references. Oh, no, really? Holy yeah. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you know how many times I talk about that. Yeah. It's not that much. Well. <laughs> it's So what I have to tell you, though, is our Harry Potter references have dwindled slightly because obviously it's like... It's a lot of the same. It's a lot of the same because we got introduced to all the stuff in the first couple of books and now it's all the same. So we're not going to make the same references over and over. Now I get to teach yeah. you about Lord of the Rings. But That's someone exciting. said they want... I think it was on Instagram. They want Lord of the Rings references. Okay. Lord it's a great idea. Shots. And Love I'm it. for it. All right. I'm for shots. Especially so does the when Shire thing count? What Shire thing? I literally just made a Lord of the Rings reference about the fact that the four Yes, boys... that's what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's literally what I'm talking about okay. right now. Yes, it counts. I'm going to get a shot. And Excellent. Tyler, I, yeah. you can partake if you like. Oh, absolutely. But I was, it was funny because yes. while you were talking about that, I was also going to say a useless fourth character, kind of like Legolas in the Lord of the Rings movies, where he says Legolas nothing. Legolas isn't useless. He's the hottest one. No, but he says nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he does a lot of good stuff. His his character's okay. his character's lines are essentially look over there ninety percent of the time. All right, so to our new Lord of the Rings references, love it. Okay, cheers, Tyler. Cheers, cheers. <clears throat> this also means that I need to make you watch the Lord of the Rings so you know my references. Okay. Although I do want to do a, a Lord of the Rings marathon. It's been a while. Yeah. Okay, so now, good fun fact. I like the interactive. That was yeah, fun. That thank was you. good. I have some notes that I've taken. Right, you had homework. Specifically regarding homework. So you sent me a few chapters to read in the Eye of the World and one in the Great Hunt. Yes. About the Malkieri history. Yes. Because you said, well, what do we know about land and the Malkieri history? And I said... I don't know anything about that. And you said wrong. <laughs> we do know we things. Do, we do know things. So you gave me homework and I appreciated this homework instead of you just telling me. Because okay. now I'm going to remember. I hear what you're saying. I'll Are give you, you more homework. Look, I No. Okay. That's what I took out of that. Maybe for like chapters like this where the note taking is quite minimal. Okay. Like I was fine with it. But anyway. Are you impressed? I well, I see the notes. I'm, I want to know what they say. They're color coded. I was going to say. I want to know what it says before I judge if I'm impressed. Danny, you're a teacher. You know that just because you gave someone homework doesn't mean that they delivered on said homework. <laughs> oh yeah, I also went to school and I actually didn't do a lot of homework that I was supposed to do. So I, get to the homework. Let's go. Okay. This okay. seems important. All right. So my homework was on the Malkieri history. So I'm going to give you a summary okay. of the downfall of the Malkieri. Malkieri. Is that my saying it right? It sounds yeah. super Malkieri weird. Malkieri are the people and it's Malkier. the nation of Malkier. And the Seven Towers is in Malkier? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And we saw those broken towers we did. in the Blight. Yes. So that I remember. But okay. So we have Al-Akir. Yep. Mandragoran. That's Lan's daddy. That's Lan's dad, and he's the king. Yes. Now, we got the Al royal prefix yep. added to his name when he became king. He was in the running for king with someone else. Not quite. So, Akir had a brother, Lane, and Akir became king, and Lane did not. Yeah, but then there was someone else who was jelly because they almost... Oh, Cohen. Cohen was jelly because he almost became king by the crowning stone he was only two 
something short. Two rods. Two yeah. rods short. See? Yeah. Okay. See, there was someone else who almost became king who wasn't his brother. Okay. You just kind of skipped through I the I know I'm skipping there. ahead. I'm just saying. Okay. I got lots here, Brett. Okay. I'm just trying to link it all together. It's a contextual history, Brett. It's not a straight line. Fair. Thank you. So, we got that guy's the king. He's married to Eliana. Yeah. And I think the L is also royal prefix. Correct. He's Lan's father. We got Lane Mandragoron, who's the king's brother, Lan's uncle. Mm-hmm. This guy, Lane, led soldiers to the Blight and died. Yep. He was married to Brayan. Yep. Who had a child with Lane named Isam. Yes. And that's Lan's cousin. That's correct. Okay. So with the family tree out of the way. Yep. Now we got Brayan being a huge jelly monster. She wants to be queen. Yeah. She wanted Lane to become king because then she would be queen. Right, but he didn't, and he died, and then so she got everyone pissed and mad at Akir because if he had helped Lane, maybe he wouldn't have died. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever. So she's jelly. She plots with Cohen, quote, Fairheart. Yep, Cohen Fairheart. To take the throne for her son, Esam, which would make her queen mother. Yes, and basically have the power. Yes. A very Cersei situation. I was actually going to say, very yeah. similar. Yeah, okay. yeah. and so, also I'm I'm fairly sure that Robert Jordan has written this book. <laughs> 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 right? Doesn't it seem like he's got it so fleshed out and he's like made his tragic like protagonist and antagonist like he's designed. Oh, oh yeah, like the, the book yeah. of the Melky. Yeah, oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. He was, it's like he a mini gone story. Here, he would have gone here. No, no I want doubt that short mind. story. I want it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, bad news. I know. So we got Cohen, who is also jelly because he was almost the king. He moves soldiers out of the blight to seize the throne. Yes. For Brianne and Esam. Yeah. But turns out, dun dun dun, he's actually a dark friend. Yeah. Cohen Fairheart's a dark friend. And oh no. He pulled everyone out of the blight. Yep. Which allowed Trollocs to pour into Malkier. That's correct. Which is bad news bears. So, Brianne flees with Isam, and we get who knows what happened to them. It's assumed they're dead. Yeah, but I have a rule about that. If you didn't see it happen, it didn't happen? Yeah. Okay. Because they were, quote, run down by Trollocs. But later in my notes, we have the current what Moraine things happen. So let's talk about that and after we'll get we get to there. it. After. Okay. So we also get a funny little side note that Jane Farstrider, like the guy who wrote that book that everyone likes to read so much. Yes. He's the one who actually took Cohen in for his treachery. Yes. Yeah, right? exactly. 100%. So Akir kills Cohen for his crap. Yep. For being a dark friend and dark oh, friend traitor dark friend traitor Trollocs came in um baby lan is sent to fall moran with a sword and a locket yep survives obviously he's it's lan <laughs> akir and liana go to get killed in the blight and malkir falls yes so that's a good summary thank you it's funny okay. that we get a character with a, like a nickname like fairheart in this story, in this story alone, and I don't think we really get that many characters with weird, like, nicknames in the, not in the old tongue. Like, just yeah. in a regular, like, English presentation, and then he ends up just being a dick, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then we get into The Great Hunt, where we get the Dark Prophecy. Okay. And 
in the Dark Prophecy, there is a mention of Luke going to the Mountains of Doom with Esam waiting in the high passes with one to live and one to die. Okay. And we know for sure Luke died because now we know that Luke was Rand's uncle. Well, actually, we don't know that he died. It's assumed that he died. Mm, 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 mm. Well, this because is a thing. Luke was the one who killed Rand's dad. Luke is the one who killed Rand's dad, most likely from what we can tell, mm-hmm. because he looked like Tigraine, yes. which was Rand's mom. Yeah. And we know that Tigraine disappeared, which she actually became Shail and went off to the yes, Isle Yeah, Waste. yeah, yeah. We don't need to get into all that. We get that. And then Luke disappeared in the blight. Yeah, we get that. So we don't know that he died. We don't know that he died. Esam, but we get that Esam is there, not a baby and not dead. Yeah. So clearly grew up, didn't die, and is either there and either one of them is alive and one of them's dead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because remember the whole time with the whole Luke died in the blight thing, I keep going allegedly. Yeah, yeah. allegedly. Because I don't buy died it. in the blight. I don't buy it. Allegedly. Allegedly. Luke died in the blight. Allegedly. allegedly. Yeah. Okay, I hate, well, I hate when you're here. You guys, especially when we're on video like this, you guys like look at each other. And, no, like, no, I'm looking at something. you. I'm looking at you. Nope. Okay, so Maureen thinks that the attempt on the throne was for Brianne's husband, and that's what brought the Trollocs into Malkier. So she's a little misinformed. A little bit, yeah. And she thinks that she needs to keep this from Lan because Issam might be alive, and that's like blood relative to yes. Lan, and he thinks he's the last of the Malkieri, but he might not be. Okay, so I mean, that's important. And that when I read that in The Great Hunt, in like chapter seven, it didn't matter at all, and I didn't care at all. Of course not. Yeah. No, of course not. It, it I mean, that's why rereading the series is important. It hasn't so. really mattered until now. It's not. <laughs> it's like, yeah. he planted these and seeds the only... two, two books ago and four books ago. It's So right. let's, let's get to the crux of it, though, okay. because... The only reason this matters is because... This guy in the dream world, Slayer, looks like Lan. He's clearly a Malkieri. But, like, who is he and why? My history doesn't help me at well, all. Well, he's a lookalike, right? Yeah, except that like, he's probably maybe a dark friend. So you have a you have a brother. I do? Yeah, you have yeah. a brother. Yes. And you also have a cousin. Let yeah. me ask you. Yeah. How much does Steve look like Mike? A lot. Uh-huh. They look, they look alike. Yeah. Yeah. Now, who is Lan's cousin? Esam. Yeah. No, I know. I get it. Do you think that Esam is this guy lookalike? Is literally him? Or is it just like another... So, I don't know. See, like, the the thing about this is, it could be Cohen, for all I know. Because he's a dark friend who brought the Trollocs down on Malkieri, who's clearly Malkieri. But he's not related to Lan. But also for Cause Nynaeve Because he, he looks be... like a borderlander. Like, Nynaeve with... thought it was Lan. That's true. It needs to be someone related to him. But it could be his dad, technically. Could be. It's probably not. Okay. But, okay. But we do okay. we do know that he's not that old. Like, we don't have, we don't have, we haven't heard that he's, like, gray-haired or anything like that, right? Like, you would assume Lan's dad would be pretty old. Fair. Unless okay. it's, like, dead dream world version Eight, of Kind of an age. Because we got, like, yeah. Brigida wandering around. Yeah. And she's, like, freaking thousands of years old. And it leads into a whole more questions about, like, who's in the dream Like, how does that okay, work? So and when we... Amos goes to goes to the dream world, she shows up as hot, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because you can change your appearance in the dream world. That's so true that's too. the other thing. Now, I had speculated that Lord Luke and this Slayer guy were one in the same. Because, because of the smell. Because of the smell. The description was the same. The cold, emotionless, um, lacking humanity, almost not human. Like, same words to describe the smell of these two people. So, so what the hell is he doing in the two rivers <laughs> killing wolves? Like, yeah. I feel like we just opened up too many more questions. It's just like it makes things. It's something to think I don't about. Know if I guess knowing. But... I don't know if knowing the history really even helps this, except maybe gives me a name. Okay, all and right. That's about it. Something to look for. Because Luke also has the look of a quote borderlander, right? Yeah. But he says he's from Mirandi or something stupid. I don't know. I don't think it's ever discussed that Luke looks like a borderline. I think you're dragging Slayer over into Luke. Yeah. No, because somebody said to him that he looks like... Doesn't he have blonde hair or something? Like, don't they talk about him as, like, fair-skinned or any of that stuff? Mm -hmm. Do they they, get any descriptors, or is he just incredibly handsome? Hey, everyone. It's Editing Danny here. At this point in the conversation, we get super sidetracked, really bogged down, discussing Luke... And what everyone remembers about his introduction to Perrin. So I went back into the book. I looked chapter 33, A New Weave in the Pattern. When they meet Luke, Varen comments that his name, Lord Luke of Chindelna, which I'm probably pronouncing super wrong, doesn't matter. She says, where is that? It has a borderland sound. And he says, nothing so grand. It's from Mirandi, actually. And so that's where I thought, oh, he's probably a borderlander. That's where the confusion took place. He doesn't have the look of a borderlander, just a name borderlanding sounding. Okay, back to the episode. Yeah, anyway, anyway, I just need to say that I did it. I learned it. It doesn't clear anything up for me. It makes things more confusing. <laughs> okay. And I think I need to collect my thoughts a little bit more on this, make a definitive statement later on. Yeah, let it soak in for a couple more chat like that. We got yeah, time. We, we got, got time. time. We got so. time. Okay. So before we get into this chapter forty three, last time I have in my notes that even more nothing has happened. Yeah, okay. We learned Fail's backstory. Perrin has a dream about Slayer. The fact that you're hey. saying that the previous chapters had nothing is leaving me fuming, Danny. <laughs> Perrin has a literal arrow sticking out of him. Okay, no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> Some things happened, but it's not like chocked full of excitement and perspective changes and lots of things going on. It's like one thing happened, and he's going to be fine. There's a huge there's a huge battle. There's a big reveal. There's a possibility of a traitor. There's all this shit going on. <laughs> and you're like, I wonder See, what Matt's hat is like. What a great chapter See, Tyler, that was. This is, this is why we brought you on for this chapter. This, yeah. It's important. To be fair, I also think the traveling from Ruidian is not much. I also think that Trolloc attack kind of sucks too. Like I'm too jaded. Almost like these characters where Trolloc attacks don't mean as much as they used to. That's right? actually a fair point. That's fair. Yeah. Like I re- like with Perrin being like, ugh, another fade. Like going back and reading a couple chapters in the eye of the world and like seeing their perspectives about like, I could, you know, a Murdral is the worst thing in the whole world. We could never fight a Murdral. And yeah. And like, now it's like, ugh, annoying. Yeah. God, they just flail around. Can't they just accept they're dead? 
Like, yeah, you're not wrong. Now, yeah. one one thing that I'll point out is that it seems like a lot of what Robert Jordan starts to do as the series goes on is he focuses a lot more on the tactics of stuff, like the what and the why. We get so much early on where it's just like giant horde of animals goes and attacks something. And then yeah, further yeah. on we get it's like, okay, wait, how did they get there? How are they doing that? And like those are the questions that he starts to ask a lot more. Because I think I think he gets bored of it too, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we uh, I like the tactics. So yeah. yeah. So Perrin has a dream about Slayer. Last time, it's someone who looks like Lan and who I think is also somehow Lord Luke. They go back to Emmonsfield, where Perrin now has his own wolf banner and is called Perrin Golden Eyes. Now, chapter forty-three is called "Care for the Living." Yeah, it's Let's, good advice. Yeah. So. There's an eyes at eye symbol, that whole flame of Tarvalin picture. We enter in Parent's perspective. He's returning to Emmonsfield. Basically, it's like these guys are returning from war. We have people so excited to see their sons and their brothers again. But all Parent is hearing is the people calling for the dead guys. Yeah, definitely heartbreaking. And I kind of envisioned this is how the real situation is, too. Yeah, so Perrin is having an internal struggle because he feels responsible for the deaths of the men and he thinks they've ended up in a Trollocs cookpot, which is gross. And probably accurate. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this is where we get the title of the chapter. This was Fayol's yeah, dad's advice. So Yeah, he yeah. thinks care for the living and I'll worry about the dead later. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So the Aes Sedai aren't really doing anything to heal people yet because we learn that Alana isn't around. She's still out being sneaky sneaks, and Varen's talents lie in other directions. Yeah, did you have any ideas about the whole, because uh, Alana thing, I was gonna say, because we've got Ivan, who, like, went off to find Perrin. What's Alana up to? She's gone too. Mm-hmm. Were they searching independently, or? I literally have no idea. No clue? Okay. No. I was wondering if you had any crazy speculations. For me, no. for me, big time, like, my Varen radar is going off right now, too, because, like, Anything has to be better than what Perrin 
is going through at this point, but she's just kind of like, nah, let's see how this plays out with the arrow. Yeah, thing. that's her favorite. She's like writing all these notes about Taviran and like the Tavir nature and like literally at the end of this chapter, he's about to die and Alana walks in the room. Yeah. But so, I mean, we don't necessarily know yeah. that Varen can heal at all. So I mean, we we did learn the last couple of chapters that healing is really close to killing. So if you mess it up, that could be bad too. So I kind of get the whole like, I'm not good at it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait. Like I I am on board for that. And if like, anyone was I'm not going to learn, it would be school. a brown, right? Like if anyone yeah. was yeah. not going to learn how to heal, it would be the people who hyper focus on existential. Well, yeah, <laughs> and she might know like the history. Yeah, I can tell you the the, the lore and the history. Healing. She yeah. might know the theory behind it. Like she's read some medical textbooks, but she's like not going to go perform surgery because she's read a textbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, it's not part of her history degree. This, this <laughs> yeah. area of study. Yeah. Okay, we also get that there are a bunch of weapons being gathered from all around in the Wine Spring Inn, which is just like a little interesting tidbit. Yeah. Everyone's gathering. Everybody's got swords. There's like yeah, five which Perrin is surprised about. Yeah, it's interesting here too. Uh, one thing after they enter the inn, and the, like you said, they find the the stuff. Gaul is is watching Varen really really clearly too, um, which I mean for an ale seems kind of odd when they they sort of are supposed to hold Aes Sedai on a pedestal. So I feel like his radar is a little bit pinged as well from from all this stuff. Like that was kind of like the Urian thing though. Because here's my yeah, yeah. what I was about to say though. I wonder if Gaul was with Urian's group. That's possible. If he's seen her before. That's funny because Urian also, what, yeah, was the one who interacted with Varen. But there were others around. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he like saw her. Like we don't actually. We have no know. idea where Gaul came yeah. from, and we haven't heard of Urian again. Yeah. Right. We got. I think we've Not got really, two no. or three beats from him. It was the cage. It was Tyr, and then Gaul. Yeah. 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 It's true. Yeah, but, and then Urian, I don't even know if he was in tier. Like, I don't know if we heard from him again. Yeah, something to think about. Okay, so Varen dismisses Perrin's concern about helping the other men returning because they're going to be better with their families. Yeah, they're fine. Too soon. Too soon. Perrin's family's dead. (laughs) Also, you're about to be dead if you try to get up and walk anywhere. So, well, I mean, that's the whole, he doesn't understand how bad he is right now. Yeah. So Perrin doesn't want to be taken to a bed yet, and then he asks where Loyal is, and we get that Loyal is helping clear trees with the men, even though it makes him super sad to cut down trees. Yeah, that's our boy. Yeah. He does his duty. He'll he'll do the hard work when he needs to, and he I think he yeah. understands the, the need for this. Yeah. I mean, they're just regular trees. They're not great trees. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, he's like, yeah. <laughs> They're just stupid yeah. baby trees. Who cares? Yeah, he can another tree trees. in two seconds. He's not. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't even matter. I do like the fact that Master Luhan made him like a gigantic axe. Yeah. Like it's got to be just huge. Well, and then there's the funny reference later when Loyal shows up carrying an axe about the whole don't put a long handle on your axe. Yeah. Because that means being hasty. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's got a long handle on his axe. He's being hasty. Loyal's so hasty. Yeah. I mean, we've got a very clear Lord of the Rings reference, but it's almost gratuitous at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Treebeard? Yeah. Well, the Ents in don't general. Don't be hasty. Don't be hasty. Don't. <laughs> you guys really okay 
if you want to do Lord of the Rings shots, if I mean, if you want to do shots, <laughs> just keep talking. Literally, anytime Loyal comes in, the Ogiers are treants almost a hundred percent of the time. That's that's why we're at and I were saying this is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Shot oh my time. god! Okay. All right. Cheers. cheers. fine okay so interesting break because now we get that lord luke isn't here where he said he was gonna be Ooh. and i'm like high alert high alert high spooky. alert it's so spooky that's not the word i would use and well it's another, funny we kind of get like a callback to it too and we get another very clear lie from lord luke that coincides with him also not being here what that he says he's a, a king from andor Oh. Well, that's not what Luke says. That's what people say Luke said. Well, it, it could have been a misunderstanding. No. I don't like you guys just ganging up on him. Like, I don't like him necessarily, but also, let's get some real hard facts straight here. If you yeah. if you don't want to be suspect, then you should be where you say you're going to be literally as the, the same kids day. Say, as the kids say, sus. Sus. <laughs> Super sus. We have yet to play that game successfully. Yeah, So I know. I'm so old. Okay, so Luke is off hunting the Horn of Valier, quote, as the people are saying. Again, that's what the people are saying. Yeah, or he's hunting Trollocs or something. No they one, don't know where no he is. No one really knows where he is or what he's doing, and that just like makes him even more sus. But he's not where he said he'd so, be. That's right. So Varen tells us that Luke is causing trouble around here. Because yesterday, he led a whole group of people to meet the White Cloak Patrol and then tell the White Cloaks they're not allowed here. Like, tell them off. That seems like a good idea to me. Again, okay, I can come to his defense because I feel like that's not a bad thing. Why do we want White Cloaks Uh, trying to come into Emmons Okay, listen. That's called poking the bear. What he's doing is fine, but his motives are all screwy, screwy, all fucked His up. motives are his methods, because... His motives. His motives. The reason why he wants to do this is because he's pissed off that Perrin is still hunting Trollocs. He wanted Perrin to come back and tell the White Cloaks to fuck off. Okay. Right? He wanted... But he's pissed off that Perrin's not doing what he's saying and listening to him. Perrin's off doing whatever the hell he wants, and so Luke's like, fine. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be the leader. I'm just saying that it seems like a good idea to tell the White Cloaks to get out of here because there's also Aes Sedai and Warders in town. What happens if they come across them there? It's just like open up another can of worms. So, I don't but know. I get what you're saying. You're not wrong, but we don't even know if the White Cloaks were on their way. We don't. We don't have enough information. Yeah, as here. far as we because know, we he just rode get... into a, like a standing White Cloak camp where they haven't actually even tried to come to town and told them, yeah. don't even try to come to town. <laughs> Like, it's not. <laughs> it's almost going to put them on red alert and be like, maybe we should come to town. Enter the end of the next chapter. But we'll get oh, there. okay, okay. Yeah. So Perrin considers that if Luke was back here yesterday, he likely didn't have anything to do with the Trollocs, but he still wants to blame Luke, and I do too. I'm not being let off by this unreliable narrator, Perrin. Okay. I think that for sure... Even if Luke did manage to get back to Evansfield. And then lead the delegation of the White Cloaks? Yeah. I think that he still... Had time to do all that? Was able to... Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. She Yeah. Because last chapter we talked about you thought that he went off to go and 
conspire with the Trollocs to make them leave the ambush. That was like two chapters. Okay. Two episodes ago. Yeah. Right, because, yeah, okay. That was right when okay. the attack happened. I was like, Gull's not wrong. Yeah, the <laughs> episode that just wrong. happened, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Gull wouldn't have his tactics wrong. This must be any, literally any other reason other than the ale got things wrong. And I completely... Never. I, I don't believe it. He's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> He's wonderful. Yeah, I don't... I don't buy. Hey, do we agree on something? Yeah, a, a third-party cool. character who says almost nothing. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I like Cole. He's great. He is. Okay, so, <laughs> so all of the village boys want to talk to Perrin. We get three of them, I think, here coming in. To yeah, we get him. we get a few of them, including the return of our best buddy. Yeah, you and McGregor. You and McGregor comes back. Yay! <laughs> it's actually really funny because. I put another Lord of the Rings reference in my notes. But you don't want to do it now? Not even knowing that you were going to talk I about know, this. I know, I told I was going to surprise you with it. I didn't yeah. actually know. Do you want to know what is it was? Is it the bedside sure. one where like Frodo is super happy to see everyone that comes by? Oh, no, it's it, yeah, that's actually a good one, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, and there's like the, the weird laughing scene. It's fantastic. Yes, Sam! <laughs> no, I was, I was going to put down, this is kind of like the return home. So if, in Lord of the Rings... When like Frodo returns from his journey, nobody cares. Like nobody pays attention to them coming home, and he's like loaded up with like a bunch of you know. Same with Bilbo. When he no one really cares about his adventures; they don't want to hear about it. But with Perrin, it's the exact opposite, where it's like everyone wants to know everything about everything. It's just like a complete contrast. Yeah, and probably I just more put that in for myself. I wasn't even going to talk about this. Yeah, well, now we have to do another shot. So. Yeah, this seems like a your fault. I feel like I should situation. do my... 100% is. I didn't know that all of this was going to happen all at once. But, you know, it's a Friday night with our friend Tyler. We don't get to socialize anymore. So I'm this here. I'm social. here for the shots. I, okay. I have a whole Lord of the Rings reference that I talked to Brett about as well. But it's like, it. it's there's a whole scene in the books of Lord of the Rings where the hobbits come home. Pippin and Mary come home. And basically the... Like the whole Shire is taken over by, she's gone. Oh my gosh! It's okay. Well, yeah. the whole Shire is taken over by um, Saruman. Yeah, going by because the name the, they cut the whole Saruman yeah. thing out of the movies for sure. So and I get why. It's an old bad guy who goes and takes over their hometown that they then have to beat. Like it's it's like one hundred percent a parallel for Padden Fane in a lot of ways, right? Like it's it's like a direct comparison. Yeah. No, I get that. I'm going to have no idea what you're talking it about It doesn't anyway, matter. So it's fine. Yeah. I just wanted yeah, to know. Yeah, I was going deep into the books there. All good. Okay. Well, something to make these uh, chapters more exciting. Hey, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. I like this Lord of the Rings thing. It means a lot more drinking. We're like resetting here on the entire... <laughs> <laughs> she burns. But then it's a nice aftertaste. That's true. Well, there you go. Blackberry. It's a nice oaky afterbirth. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it's Michael Scott for you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So boys show up. They're like, oh my God, Perrin, you've been in the world. Tell us all about the world. And Perrin's like, oh my God, you and McGregor, you're all grown up. And he's like, yeah. But I just think it's funny because I remembered who that character was out of everybody. That's like the little pipsqueak who got the like actual coin from Moraine. Yes. When Moraine yeah. gave the GPS coins to Matt and Rand. Yeah. And he was like, oh, maybe I'm going to spend it. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, no, I'll keep he's it. He's like, oh, okay. I don't know. But yeah. I really want to spend it because the peddler is coming. Yeah. Anyway, you and McGregor. He probably never spent that coin. Probably. He probably still has it. Yeah. 
Possibly. So we get that Alana has told them things about Perrin, like that he's been to the Blight. So it's interesting that Alana is like wandering around telling people about Perrin. We get that she was the one, last chapter we got that she was the one who like told them to paint the wolf banner, basically. Yeah. And I wonder if she has any like Moraine influencing powers, but. I don't even think you need that. Like, I think it's unnecessary. I don't want to attribute power stuff if you could just like convince village people to make a banner yeah. for a cool wolf wolfy guy with yellow eyes like yeah yeah honestly i, I feel like okay. that might have been a misstep on her part because it was like she probably was asking about perrin or they're like how do you know perrin and she was like well you know i met him in faldara, faldara. when he came back from the blight shit. and then they're like holy <laughs> shit the blight <laughs> and then yeah. she probably got no <laughs> more relevant real? information after that yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because then Perrin tells the boys, like, about select things from his adventures. Yeah. Like, Camelin, Tyr, the Borderlands, the Blight, the Steadings. But he stays away from talking about Falma, the Eye of the World, Forsaken, Kalidor, and the Dragon Yeah, like the super dangerous stuff. That's right. Hey, congratulations, Perrin, for discretion. Perrin has always been the most level-headed, smart person, and I will give that to him. Yeah. I have always said that he's a very steady, smart character. Yeah. I do like that the boys are skeptical. Except for when Fael's around. Then he's like. Yeah. All goes out the window. Yeah. But the boys are like, they believe some stuff, but don't believe others. Like the stuff you wouldn't think. So. And this is also the most he's ever talked probably in the entire books to any one person. I don't think he's ever had a conversation like this. Right. And he has to do it when he's like semi-conscious and like heavily fevered. (laughs) again that's a thing he's near death okay so that's interesting because right in my notes here we get a first note about Perrin feeling hot but he's like oh it'll take too much to it'll hurt too much to take my coat off yeah and that's the first mention we get about it they ask about matt and rand and now tam and abel have shown up so he keeps his story straight good for him yeah so what he told tam and abel he tells the guys about Matt gambling and carousing and but like what, what was the alternative story? Like that's, <laughs> I don't know. Side note. I love that. I can picture exactly who Tam and Abel are going to be in my head and they're fucking perfect. Like that's, that's pretty cool too. It's, it's yeah. beautiful. They're like, I still like, I, like I do, I've seen the casting and I agree, but I have yet to connect the actor with the character the first time that happened for me was maureen with rosamund pike and that's because i've been looking at rosamund pike quite a bit lately yeah that's and so yeah. like that one I, and then especially because we watched her like in that movie i'm like picture and then we got that whole maureen mm-hmm. what on prime thing that's super exciting yeah so but i always i, I always that, got my like my yeah. tam is like a like a leathery face like an older and like but like but like still super hot and intense eyes and then i've always so had hot. abel coffin <laughs> as like a little bit thinner and a little bit more narrow faced so it's like for me those characters uh, are like oh yeah no that guy can be that guy and that guy can be that guy i'm cool with that that's great <laughs> cool 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 okay so at this point fail sends the boys away and then loyal arrives with his giant axe and i almost said ass yeah <laughs> Well, he's got a pretty big ass. I bet he's got a big <laughs> ass. Okay. So he also notices that Perrin is injured. And he's like, oh my God, if I knew you were injured, I would have come faster. And Perrin thinks that he should be sweating 
but his forehead is dry. So this is like our next clue that, okay, you have a bad fever, bud. Yeah, yeah. So Fael questions Varen about where Alana is, and Varen says, ah, she'll come. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> she'll be here. And keeps writing about how right, right. Aaron is dying and everything is going terribly. And I could help, but I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's very reminiscent of when Swan was acting about like the Matt thing, right? When Matt was almost dead. And then the Amerlin was kind of like, oh, you know, it's all good. We'll, Let's see. We'll get to him Let's in time. Let's see if his Taviranus yeah. can save him. I have to finish the paperwork, yeah. but then maybe. <laughs> it would also be much more convenient for us if he just dies. Anyway. Okay, so Perrin tells Loyal about the way gates being unlocked and about the Trollocs coming through, which in my mind is still like a maybe situation because he saw it in the dream world and although he's really sure that this is what's going on, I'm not convinced. Yeah, we've got no evidence besides that Perrin saw the doors open and closing in In the dream dream world. world, which is like that might just happen because there's something that can open and close. But if they we don't know about the rules. But we do know yeah. that if something can change, then you see it in all its forms, right? So, if it was locked yeah. for sure, then we probably wouldn't be able to see it as opening and closing. But we also know that it's only locked from the inside. Yeah. So it's not like it's, it's impossible not like it's locked, to open. Locked. It could be open still. And if so anything, we also know that him being baited by Slayer almost makes it less likely that it is open because it's like one of those. Well, like, there's a trap the for you. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing too, right? Because we know that in the dream world, you can just like think things into existence. Yeah, you can think about having an axe, and you have an axe. You can think about. Wearing no clothes and you wear no clothes. Like you think about those things and they happen. You can think about where to be and So like you can think about the doors he being open. You can think about, oh, I hope those doors are locked and then they're not. Or you know, if he's not a hundred percent about how it all works here, and we know he's not, I'm just not fully convinced. I think that all these trollocs they're encountering yeah. are already here. The rules are really wibbly wobbly in in the Jeremy Bearmy. Sure. Jeremy Bearmy rules. And the, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. No, that's true. And that's why I'm thinking that when they get to the way gate, it's still going to be locked <laughs> or something, <laughs> you know? And it might be a trap over there. Well, I guess we'll see, won't we? Yeah, I think we will. So, Loyal explains that anyone can still open the way gate. We get that whole thing from this side of the world. Basically, from the outside of the Waygate, it can still be open. Yeah. Since both leaves are on just the one side, Loyal says he's sorry. He thinks it's all his fault. He feels terribly. And then we get some important information about Waygates and how they can be destroyed. Yeah. So, just to kind of step in here with the yeah. fun facts about the Waygates. Now, so there was a Waygate destroyed 500 years after the breaking. Because the gate was near a steading close to the blight, so the Aes Sedai went and destroyed that one. And apparently, it took 13 Aes Sedai with a Sa'angriel. When all they really needed to do was take the keys. Which we know doesn't necessarily do so much. Because what? Here's... If you take both the keys away? No. Th- he talks about this. I'll explain it. So, oh. he does mention that there's already two or three lost in the blight already. Okay. So that's important because, like, where are the Trollocs entering uh, from? Probably, probably from the two or three in the Blight. That would make sense. 
But then he talks about how there's another attempt by nine and then something terrible happened. They got like sucked in. Maybe we don't really know. But this is what I was talking about. Loyal saying, if you remove the Avendasaur leaves completely, the gate will die. However, it doesn't mean that it's like destroyed forever because you could have the elders bring the talisman of growing or Aes Sedai could like blow a hole in it still. So even though the gates die, maybe it's just like the doors don't really open very well. Well, and that's sort of what we get at Faldara. Yeah. When Moraine like blasts, blasts the, the hole. shit So that's what I'm saying. It's possible to still get through open. it. So just taking the keys away doesn't mean it's an inaccessible yeah, but gate. For what they needed in this situation, instead of putting both keys on the outside, they should have taken the keys with them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying that's not a bad idea. Put them on a key yeah. ring. Yeah. Put them in your big old gear pockets. Yeah, we got a new rule yeah, that's what I'm, that yeah. would have probably solved <laughs> this particular problem for sure. And instead... But like maybe because I think it's a trap, so... Okay, yeah. so yeah. Yep, and I was Karen just going to say like from my... They opened it again somehow. From my earlier idea of like what's what's possible seems to appear in the, the dream world. The fact that now we're learning that it is possible that those doors can be reopened, that might be why we were seeing the doors reopen as well. So it's still not 100% guaranteed, but it's one of yeah. those things where it's like, oh, we thought they were locked. Oh, turns out they weren't locked. Now we know that there's a possibility that e parent could have easily been seeing something that wasn't true. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. That's my feeling. That's my gut feeling about it. Anyway, so Perrin also thinks about the arrowhead wound in his side and about how it doesn't even really hurt anymore. And I think that that's a terrible that's sign. That's a good thing. It's the paint's going away. That's a terrible, that's terrible good. sign. So Loyal wants to run off and fix the Waygate situation. And Perrin says, no, you can't. I need to do it. Not you. So they're both having this like complex about who's going to be like the hero and who feels the most guilty about this situation. It's really fun. It's they should great both to read. feel guilty. It's both their faults. Yeah. So now Perrin is doing really bad. He is like near death. Very confused, hallucinating, doesn't know what's going on, and like Alana shows up. <laughs> yeah, phew. Yeah, so that's good. Basically, literally walks in the door as Fael's like, "Oh my god, he's burning up!" <laughs> it's time. So they bring him into the kitchen. Turns out the barb of the arrowhead has caught on bone, and the arrowhead has been twisted. And Alana needs to realign it. And if the shock doesn't kill Perrin. Then she can heal him, but there is no other way. Yeah, and that tells us some good information about healing in general, where it's not like a one fix for everything, where like no matter what you can heal. Like I have to pull this out of you. Yeah, it's and not. Then I can heal you. Exactly, and he still might die. But you might bleed out or yeah. something, yeah. right? Like, and I mean, we know that healing takes some energy from the person being healed too. Like that's a huge thing that comes up again and again. Yeah, so. they don't gloss over the the like the mechanics of healing, right? Like. If, if you yeah. were to be healed from an arrow wound and like the arrow just magically popped out, that's not, they don't do that. They, that's not how like this yeah, happens. No. It's and not a magic healing exactly. potion that's just like fixed. So Okay. So Perrin is barely aware of Mistress Alvier and Mistress Luhan holding down his wrists with all their weight and someone's lying across his legs and Loyal's holding his shoulders or something. Fael puts a leather wrapped stick in his mouth and is like, this is going to hurt. And we smash to black, but not in a good way because Perrin passes out. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, because they're yanking that arrow. We get a very sweet <laughs> bite down my heart. That's a 
That's a very yeah. cute little line. Well, they're all they're like all in love. Yeah, they've already like done the whole L word thing. We're past that. They have, but it's it's still like it's nice that she's like, here's a soft moment from me about you. That's that we don't yeah. we don't necessarily get like <laughs> a ton of those. So it's nice to notice them when they sweetheart. Happen. I don't want you to break your teeth or swallow your exactly. Tongue. <laughs> yeah, don't bite your tongue off. Here's something to bite. <laughs> yeah. Also, don't die. Yeah. Also, don't die. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. So, hey. Let's get right into chapter 44. Yes. The Breaking Storm, which is interesting because I didn't pay attention to this title, and I think it's an interesting title now that I know. Yeah, you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The chapter symbol is the Trollocs symbol. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because there's Trollocs. Because there's Trollocs. Yeah. So, Perrin wakes up. He's in one of the Winespring Inn's rooms. So he didn't die. That's good. That's great yeah. news. It's morning, and he feels that the wound in his side is healed. So I guess it's not like Rand's after all. Oh, yeah, because that was a speculation. Someone made right? a lot of fun of me for saying that. Hey, I like that theory. That was Yeah, good. but they're like, a random Trollocs arrow is going to do the same damage as, like, Baalzamon's sword. Maybe. Why not? I, I mean, Merdral blades do. Yeah. <laughs> wounds do bad things, right? Yeah. I dig it. Okay, so his wound is like healed, the skin's closed. Fail is there and tells him that he needs to rest, like he needs at least two to three days, and he probably also needs to eat a lot. Yes. If I remember from Matt's healing. Yeah. He, not the same scale, but the same still kind needs of healing, to eat. But yeah. yeah. So Perrin feels like Fail is keeping something from him, and he's right. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. I mean, it's medium good. Well, it's kind of shitty. I hate it, actually. What? Loyal and Gull have gone off to the Waygate by themselves. Why is that bad? See, I... That's like the best dynamic duo. I love it. I actually wrote in my notes, what a fun duo. Yeah, that's great. This is why This is why I was not disappointed to have these chapters, because this is one of my favorite moments, because we actually get agency from side characters that helps the main character out in their predicament. We don't really yeah. get that until now where it's like the main character has to do everything. The main character is the one responsible. But this is like, no, let's take these, these two characters that have nothing in common except for our main character. And let's make them have a buddy cop movie that we'll never see, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And go off on, okay. on a sweet adventure, right? Like, it's it's awesome. Just like, I got to throw it out there, though. We could have more of these offshoots if our main characters could get better at delegating tasks. Well, they're like, you can't do that. I have to do it. It's like they all have yeah. control issues. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's a it's 100%. They can't give up. Like if Perrin wasn't unconscious 
Boyle wouldn't have been allowed to go. Yeah, and I mean, Fael calls him out on that in just half a second, too, so. Yes. Okay. Anyway, I do think that this is a great duo, but I hate that they're going because I don't think there's anything to go for. That's my stance right now. Okay. And that annoys me. I won't be annoyed if I'm wrong. I'll be happy if I'm wrong. Actually, no. That means there's Charlotte's coming in. <laughs> Never mind. I'm going to stop talking. Okay. So Perrin gets out of bed. He's determined to go after them. So determined that he doesn't even care that he's naked. Doesn't matter. His Willie is hanging out in front of Fahil and he doesn't even care. He just like stumbles over to the chair to get his clothes because he's going to leave. Mm. He's going to go after them. I mean, something to think about if that's like a, a new site for her. Probably not. I mean, she probably helped get him undressed. Oh, well, yeah, that part. So, you know. Yeah. he. I think that we're only sticking to the fun dreams. And you don't way. think that they've gone further? Nope. Okay. So he can barely stand and I'm like, how the hell are you going to get to this way gate? You aren't even going to be able to sit on a horse. And he's like, all I have to do is sit up on the horse and the horse will take me there. Just hug it real tight. Yeah. But like, what are you going to do when you get there? Like, this is such a terrible plan. Like, he's so stubborn. It's stupid. But I guess that that's a character flaw and we're supposed to appreciate it. Yeah, he is stubborn. It's consistent. I mean, we've seen that side of him. Yeah, and he's from the two rivers. I just right? want to say, Danny, that this is one of those things that I've that's been revealed to me in this podcast, especially like this scene and moving forward, is how fucking funny this stuff is. Just for like, <laughs> it's great. How how like how like the like tongue in cheek, like how stupid guys can be, and yeah. like how oh yeah, it just it just kills me going forward. Like when I but that's the thing, it's realistic. Like yeah. I myself have for sure been this stubborn about something stupid. Just yeah. for the sake of someone telling me don't do it, I'm like, I'm going to do it anyways. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, and I have to tell you, it's not just guys. Because yeah. we see it from Fael right away, at, like with the whole Marin, Alvir, and Fael interaction, which is hilarious. But I've also been that stubborn person. Yeah. So the trope is there, and I, it's ex- like, I it's, get it's it. Real. It's, it's real. It's real. It's a yeah. trope because it's real. Yeah. So... He's like, I'm going. And she's like, no, you're not. And he can barely walk. And she's trying to stop him from walking. And he opens the doors. But turns out he's on the second floor because that's where the rooms are. And there are stairs. And I'm like reading this. And I was like, holy shit, are they going to fall down the stairs? They're going to die right now. And then now. they literally fall down the fucking stairs together. And then like no one breaks an arm. Yeah, like, can that's I just... the most unrealistic thing. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the... Biggest part of this entire series I probably don't believe is it's that two outrageous. adults two adults fall down the stairs and nobody gets hurt. <laughs> well, to be fair, we both die in that situation. He's going jelly body, right? Because he's like his his muscles are turning to liquid and he's just falling over. So he's probably and that only like, takes you so far. Yeah, it turns out they're fine. Evidently like, to the bottom. It's written. Like, yeah. he's supposed to be worried because Fael's, like, limp on his body. And you, and she, he's, like, has to shake her and be like, Fael? And I was like, oh, my God, did Fael <laughs> just die? Like, <laughs> it's hilarious. Turns out, <laughs> not at twist. all. She doesn't yeah. even have a bruise. Like <laughs> It's actually better because then Marin comes in and it looks like they're playing kissing games on the ground. Yeah, because Classic. they lay there for a while. She refuses to get off of him because that's how weak he is. Yeah. That he's like, I need to go get my horse. And she's like, no. And so she just like doesn't get up. And so he can't get Wait, up. Wait, you can't skip past ah. the fact that they go full fucking Charlie Chaplin and knock over a barrel full of like metal <laughs> onto the floor yeah. to make a gigantic noise as well after they fall down like... 
Why would they yeah, have the barrel of in. swords at the bottom of the stairs? Like, <laughs> this is literally just to Who's create this, this, like, oh, man, what a ridiculous, silly moment. And yeah. then there was a bunch of ball bearings, and they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Exactly. It's like, why have it <laughs> at the bottom of, of the stairs the for, like, the people living in the inn? It's like, no, it'd be by the door. Yeah. Like, why is it here? Maybe it was by the door, and they fell. They, like, kept going. No, okay. It's comic relief. It's good. It's good. I actually did laugh. Yeah, it's full on. And I Benny think I Hill. said out loud. Yeah. I yeah, it's so funny. Okay, so Mayor and Alvier thinks they're playing kissing games on the floor, which how embarrassing. Marin says that Fael just needs to learn how to handle Perrin properly. Yeah, which I mean, the advice does work to a to an extent because Fael it's implements it right annoyed. away. It's just annoying. Perrin's just annoyed because she he because. He hears the advice. So if he didn't hear it, this would have worked. It does but he, work. But he heard it, and he's too stubborn. The advice does work, though. Fael lets him kind of, she kind of does the give and take with him letting letting him get on his horse to become the general. Like, she really eases him into that role. Yeah, but that's only because the Trollocs are showing up. Then she's like, okay, I can have him just sitting on his horse, and he's not riding off to the waygate. Like, she's using this situation. The key is that they're not stupid, they're stubborn. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like he knows he can't reach it to the forest, but if she said, don't go to the forest, where the fuck do you think he was going to go, right? Like, It's almost like, give them, give them an out. Give them a path to get out of what they were going to do, right? Yeah. So he's not so hard set on that. Don't make, don't make, them, don't make them take a hard stance, or they're going to take that hard stance. I know hard stances. I'm good at them. Yeah, and my favorite is when he stubbornly thinks about how he's not stubborn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, accurate. Oh, I'm not muley. Yeah. How annoying that she thinks I'm so muley. He said muley. Yeah. Muley. Muley. All right. So this is when they hear a bunch of voices call out, there are Trollocs. Oh, my God. There's a Trolloc attack happening right now. Turns out not that's so actually much. not what's going on. Yeah, like five minutes. Yeah. But Marin says that the I said I will handle him. Don't worry. The I said I will get the Trolloc. So here's the thing. Marin takes this so coolly that I kind of have to assume that this sort of thing has happened before. Now... I have to disagree with you. Not to the extent of like, but like the issue of Trollocs popping up and then being on alert. I know what you're saying. And I'm disagreeing with you. Really? Yeah. Okay. I kind of love this. The way. Yeah. I kind of love picturing this moment as like, and like everything's okay. And then it's like, Trollocs, Trollocs. And that's fine. Like. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I think that she's just trying to stay calm in this moment because she knows the parents shouldn't be going off and she's in the middle of this like coddle coddle parent session yeah and just going forward a little bit the way that everyone reacts yeah just shows me that trollocs like this haven't been here before well that's what they're I... shooting bows too soon okay hold on that's what i said i said it what they haven't had like 500 trollocs attack oh but they probably have seen trollocs like a handful try to break the lines or whatever it might be. So it's like they're not, this isn't the first time they've ever seen Trollocs at Emmons Field. That's what Maybe my point not, was. But well, that's, time, that's established as well, right? Where did a handful right? of Trollocs? We, we, yeah. know that the, we know that Emmons Field hasn't specifically been attacked yet. And that's, no, that's, and like where would they see just like a handful of Trollocs? Doing some scouting. 
getting in some mm-hmm. uh, tomfoolery. No. There, there would I'm be people in the town who believe that Trollocs are there because they hear it from like the people outside of town. But I think you're, I yeah. think you're right, Danny. I think most of the people in town probably haven't seen them yet. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, especially with the way they're reacting. Like, they're shooting their bows too early. They, like, need proper advice and, like, guidance and leadership. I think, I think, like... Yeah, that's, like, full-scale attack. Yeah, I think the smart people in town, like, Bran, like, I think he hasn't seen one, but he believes Tam. And he believes, like, Abel, right? Like, who definitely have seen them and have scouted. Like, I think the smart people know that this has happened, but I think the average person probably has never seen a Trollic still. Hmm, I actually, I agree with that. Okay. Except Winter Night, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> besides, besides <that>. Winter Night, yeah. <laughs> so Perrin is super annoyed. Fayil says that Perrin needs to get his horse. And she, I think, has a change of mind, mostly because she doesn't like Marin's advice about, like, coddling him. I don't know. Because she even thinks to herself, ah, don't tell me how to handle Perrin. You know, like... She's, she's stubborn, too, so... Yeah, she's stubborn, yeah. too. She thinks it's best for people to see Perrin up on his horse as the leader, and she's not wrong. Yeah, he should be the figurehead. Yeah. So Perrin finally accepts that he wouldn't last against Trollocs and Fades, so he's going to be like the leader slash general up on his horse, and Fael and Perrin have some like funny little banter back and forth. Yeah. Like, remember when I was talking about how they're learning to speak the same sort of like sarcastic language? Yeah. And it's like working for them? They're getting there. They're That's growing in their relationship. That's what this is. Like, I wouldn't like if you talked to me like this, but like they're getting cool with it. Yeah. In their own personal relationship, they're figuring it out. Yeah. So we get a mass of people gathered at the edge of the village. We get Alana, Varen, and the warders are over there too. We get that Alana has healed a couple of the men who are like really in dire need of it, but the ones with like bumps and bruises didn't get healed yeah so it's much less exciting than a trolloc attacking like trolloc attack right this second it's like they have time to prepare because we get one trolloc being like lost he snuck off from the group to go and try and get an easy meal from the guys who are cutting down trees narc narc 2.0 he's yeah no because i thought narc smart Narg was smart. Narg, this guy Narg was said medium. smart. This guy not smart. Narg said smart, but did Narg get meal? No, Narg did not get no. meal. <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy also did not get meal. So he's just like ambling along, but the timber party drove it away, or did they kill it? No, they drove it away. They drove it away yeah. before it could do too much damage. Then Bane and Chiad show up to tell them that 500 trolls are a mile or two behind them, which is, in my opinion, Interesting timing that this huge Trolloc horde is on their way to Emmons Field the day, basically, after the Perrin got here. And Perrin's not dead. Okay, okay. So more coincidences mm-hmm. that are not coincidences, And you know, I, I don't guess. believe in coincidences. Okay. Yeah, and it, so. it's worth pointing out that we like we don't know that Trollocs and, and Fades at this point have a ton of restraint. So like the fact, like the idea that these guys could have just arrived, gotten here, and then decided to attack immediately—it's not—it's not crazy surprising, right? Once they had like a minimum number, they were just like, "Okay, let's go attack." Yeah, but I'm also led to believe that they're taking orders. 
Like they're here for a purpose. Yeah, this was a test. That's the mm-hmm. whole thing we get into later. Yeah, so. we do get into that. Okay, so let's like, get through this, this fight. An accident. And then we'll talk about it. Yeah, so parents here, and now all of a sudden, Trollocs are showing up. So even if Trollocs have been here before, not like this. Yeah, that, yeah. So Ivan actually gets a little sassy. I love it. it this is great. Yeah. Because parents like, ah, we need to get ready. And then Ivan's like, well, maybe somebody should tell them what to do. Yeah. It's just like waiting. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. That's like so funny. Hey, Perrin, maybe you should give some orders. Uh-huh. Try it out. See how it feels. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth pointing out that like none, like the, uh, definitely not the warders aren't like battle commanders. Not every one of them, right? But. Well, no. And they also point out that these village people don't want to listen to outsiders. That's true. I don't know how true that is. I do think that the Aes Sedai want to see how Perrin is going to lead. But consider consider the fact that the warders, like Ivan and Thomas, were never going to step in and give orders. That's not their deal. Think back to Lan. When we first met him in Eye of the World, he could give two shits about these Emmons Fielders. No, it's the Aes Sedai who are going to give orders. They will wait for the Aes Sedai to do their thing, and they're there to protect their Aes Sedai. That is all. Like, they're not going to go out of their way for anybody. (laughs) You should probably go tell them to do something. I'm going to put that on the list and not my fucking problem. Yeah, Moraine didn't exactly organize, like, the defense of the Emmons Field when she did it. She went out and she threw fireballs and lightning bolts and then said, help me. Right? Like... Yeah, that's the I said I prerogative is like I'm the most important person in this room. <laughs> Defend me. <laughs> yeah, fair. Okay, so Perrin is on to the I said I. Yeah. He clearly knows that they want to see him as the leader. They're trying to be sneaky. Fael even is like a little bit catching on. Do you, do you yeah. think that's true? I mean, medium. He's t- okay. I think there's something more going on here. I think it's 100% true, and I don't think we have to like beat around the bush because Perrin's Taviran. Perrin knows that he's Taviran. Perrin knows that he met and ran or Taviran. He knows what that means. He knows that I said I know that. So it's like obviously they're trying to push you into being. Well, especially Varen writing her book on Taviran. Yeah, she went off on a huge rant like, oh, this is really exciting. And she she told him she was watching him do Taviran stuff in the surrounding village, like farms. She's like, but I she wonder how that. this is going to go for yeah. you. Here's the thing How long have they been there? How long have the Trollocs been there? And how little have they done to organize the two rivers into a defensible position? Well, it's not their. They didn't know Perrin was coming. Okay. They didn't know Her. anyone was coming. The Aes Sedai? Yeah. yeah. So ha- why would they not yeah, have I done mean... anything to help organize the village? I think they assumed that... Well, so Alana sent Ivan to go get Perrin. And I mean, I wouldn't say they've done nothing. They've been incredibly helpful. They even did the catapult thing. But what I mean, like, is, what I mean is before Perrin arrived. Like, they hmm. were there before Perrin ever got there. And the Trollocs were there before Perrin ever got there. But they were in hiding. They were in hiding, and they did have a, and they a reason for that. And they apparently had a mission to find... Yeah. I, I did air quotes, and I realized this is an audio medium. <laughs> they had a mission, air quotes, to find the girls. I do think that there were other things that they... Yeah, I think to... it's just easy to chalk up to, like, it's not their problem. Yeah. Like, they the have their own yeah. shit. So we get that the village definitely has a battle plan. So whether or not that's because of the Aes Sedai or not... I don't know. 
But I do know that there are catapults set up. There are a hundred men with spears and pole arms and twice as many with two rivers longbows. We get young boys bringing out extra arrows. So we are like set and ready. Perrin keeps Fael out here with them because he knows she won't go back even if he tells her to leave. Yeah. So she actually looks like she wants to protect him and he's kind of annoyed by it, but he also is having trouble sitting up straight on his horse. And do you want to have an argument with your girlfriend in front of all the men? No. Don't want to do that. Yeah, because he's so weak. I'm like, yes, Fayel, good. I'm glad you're here to protect him. You missed the most important part of the battle plan. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's uh, Leof with the wolf head banner. Oh, he stands with the banner. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. Okay, we see an incredible amount of disdain Perrin has for the guys who keep holding his flags. And that's because he's the bannerman. I know. I was going to say that, that I remember him being the bannerman for the Dragon Reborn at the Battle of Falma. Well, it's just mostly because he was also standing there and they're like, sure, here's a job for you, I guess. Well, he's talking down to a position that he used to have. So come on. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, tactically, like, this is like the way that that Perrin responds to this this joke is hilarious because he doesn't belittle the guy who didn't want to hold the banner he makes a joke at like almost his own expense or like not at that guy's not quite at that guy's expense but it's still funny enough that yeah it releases the tension for everyone he doesn't alienate one person so it's like except he hates Will too he does hate Will (laughs) not as much as he hates Bam's nose that's true but again, Perrin stumbles into like the right response to a situation that probably wasn't what he would do when he doesn't really like Will. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. So after a long wait, the Trollocs show up. They come flooding out of the Westwood, like yelling and hollering and howling. Plus, there are three Merdral driving the Trollocs forward. We get a bunch of freaking noobs. Just start firing arrows yeah. way too early at, like, nothing. Their arrows aren't going to reach anything. Tam yells at everyone for being such stupid woolhead idiots. And they're like, ugh, language. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> there are children around. Yeah, Tam, who has clearly been, like, in charge of real fucking armies, yeah. is like, you stupid fucking morons, be better. He starts to give orders but then he looks at Perrin and goes, right? This is the order you should give? And Perrin's like, yeah, shoot at 300 paces. Yeah, I was going to ask if you had uh, thoughts on why he does that. Why Tam does that? Yeah, why does Tam look to Like, why instead of Tam just giving the order, why doesn't... Because Tam's not the general. Okay, that's what I'm saying. He understands, he understands how, like, leadership works. He yeah. understands how an army is going to follow... It's leader, right? Like, I don't know. It's a it's a really really important move. I think. Like, I don't want to under like I, I don't want to undersell this. That this is a huge thing that Tam does because him and Bran are like the older guys who literally led the village and lead the village in the village council. But they're stepping up or like stepping down rather to let Perrin become the person he's supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a big thing for them to be able to like tip their hat to him. So, so it's it's fair too that like we get um, we get this trope a lot in like movies like Band of Brothers and, and some of the other military stuff where it's like the commanding officer isn't always the most competent guy either. So you pretend that the, he's the one giving the orders. You give him what he's exactly supposed to say. And you say like, yeah, 300 yeah. is good. Right. And then he goes. Yeah, of course, because he doesn't actually know. Because, yep. like, Tam's yeah. the guy who actually knows. So 
the reality is Tam's the one who's in command of this situation, but he has to pretend like someone else is. Yeah. Yeah, fair. All right, and then we get the battle beginning when the Trollocs get within 300 paces. They, like, loose their all their arrows. They... Have the catapults. Have the catapults. The explodey fireball they catapults with shrapnel. Beat them all. Yeah. And the battle ends. And the battle ends. They did it. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> so all the Trollocs in... This reminded me, actually, of a, oh. a quote about the Swiss from World War One. So there was a famous quote about okay. the Swiss from World War One, where... Um, at the time of uh, First World War, the Switzerland only had a, a standing army of about 250,000 riflemen. And they were asked, because, you know, the Swiss remained neutral, they were asked, like, what would you do if the Germans invaded with an army of 500,000? What would you do? And the response... Shoot twice. Exactly. That's the famous quote, is that the, the Swiss responded, we would shoot twice and go home. Because <laughs> they had all trained in, in the art of, like, shooting. They were all better at shooting than anyone else, and that's what this feels like. It's like... There's not enough two rivers men to do what they just did. Like 200 people against like 500 Trollocs 500 shouldn't Trollocs, work out yeah. the way it did. But here they are, right? Get well, an archery. That's actually a very interesting point. I like that. I thought it was just like, oh yeah, fine, battle's done. But that's actually really... 200 men against 500 Trollocs would not have gone this way in any other situation. That's, it's, it is something. <laughs> so one one other thing that I found interesting is... When they talk about the Aes Sedai looking at the rocks that then go on and explode, do you think that the Aes Sedai did something with the power? That like a time bomb? Probably. Or like did they did something before or after? Like are you Because yeah. it says the Aes Sedai were over with the rocks at the catapult. And then the rocks were catapulted and exploded. We haven't really seen any like time delay power shit. No, that's true. So do you think they like Sounds like something though. It, right? Sounds like something's up. Yeah, <laughs> it was just for me. It was like so you deconstruct the the structural integrity well, of the rock so that on impact well, it explodes. Listen, especially if they're strong with like earth, they can manipulate it in some way. I would imagine, or maybe they like watched it go, and as it like went, then they use the power. But why not just do a fireball at that point, right? Like maybe they're not. Maybe they're not good with fire. That's the thing. That's true. We don't know enough about <laughs> each individual Aes Sedai is either strong or weak or good or bad, yeah. right? Like we get that Maureen is like one of the strongest, so like maybe, yeah, I don't know. But it's just that maybe they have to. When when Perrin yeah, says like he rocks. was worried about them like dropping them at the catapults too, right? Like it just seemed like they did something with these rocks that make rocks explode. Or like yeah, like they made some sort of like. Yeah. I don't know. It was just kind of a, it was a weird thing for Dynamite me. Dynamite cannonball. Exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah. I just I couldn't imagine like what they did or like from what we know about the one power so far. I have no idea what they did to make rocks explode on impact. I have nothing for you. I don't know either. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So the battle ends. All the Trollocs and Fades are dead. They didn't even reach the stakes. All the men celebrate, and in the celebration, Bran congratulates Perrin, but first he's like, you did it, boy! And then he goes, no, wait. You did it, Perrin. Nice. Woo, grown up! Yeah, that's yeah, nice. That is nice. So, great victory, and Perrin's like, oh yeah, I did so much for this great victory. This is another, like, very, like, English comedy moment for me, where it's just, like, the quiet, like, I didn't do anything. Like, after everything everyone yeah. says... <laughs> But it's like everyone's moving on and just being like, you did so amazing. And he's just like, I don't know yeah. what I did. I sat on my horse. I don't know what I did. I just sat here. Yeah. Tried not to fall down. That's what I did. But 
Anyway, we also get an interesting note that Tam and the Warders did not participate in the celebrating because they know that this isn't the end. Yeah, they're studying the battlefield. It's important. Yes. Now, Perrin questions this attack like it didn't make much sense. It was too small a force to get through. And they must have known that they weren't able to get through if they did any surveying of this area. And turns out that Varen's warder, Thomas, agrees. Yeah, I mean, Perrin is being perceptive that obviously the 500 Trollocs weren't going to actually break through and, you know, destroy Emmons Field. Although 500 Trollocs sounds like it could break through and destroy Exactly, yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, I think he's giving too much credit in a lot of ways to the strategy of the Trollocs because, like, 500 would have done it any other time. I think that this is, like, being numb to what Trollocs and Fades are at this point. Like, he's seen them and seen them and seen them that it's just like, ah, 500's nothing. Okay, so what are you implying? So if it isn't a test, do you think this was, like, the attack? It's totally a test. I'm just questioning, like, why Perrin feels the need to be like, that wasn't that many, when it was. Okay. Do you want to know what I'm implying? I mean, I get that it was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So... In in history, the longbow is one of the most effective weapons that has ever been invented and has ever made its way to the military battlefield in the medieval times. There has never yeah, been the game. anything like it, and there was never anything like it after. And tactically, there was no way to plan around it. Because like the fact that someone could shoot you from, five, from 300 yards before armies ever engaged was completely like in... in game changer. Yeah. There's nothing like it, right? So... You win. You win as well. I don't happens. think that the Trollocs game played for this. I don't think that they I don't think that no, they had any fair. idea that longbows were a thing and that they could be used this way. Well, and that's why I do think that this was a test. A test to see like if they got through, great. And murder everyone, that's good. Yeah. That's good. That's what they wanted. Capture Perrin, yeah. probably. Like I don't even really know what the game plan is here. Eat file. She's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh i shouldn't have said that oh no oh no spoiler alert <laughs> yeah. we don't find out she's delicious until book five i do think that this was a test i think they would have been happy to get through but if they didn't they're like okay now they know whoever yeah. they is whoever's orchestrating all of this and why i still to be determined i don't really know i can't figure it out i'm sure lord luke is part of it Okay. I'm sure Slayer is yeah. part of it. Yeah. I don't know if they're one in the same or just working together. I'm not sure yet, but I know they're part of it. Now, we also get that there was a raven, a single raven, circling around and then taking off. Yeah, watching. So, obviously watching, a spy for the Dark One. I went on a walk today. There's a giant fucking raven sitting on a house watching me and he was watching he was watching yep and i was like ah the dark one's eyes i hate birds so much get out of here you fucking raven but i'm scared <laughs> of birds if you don't know anything about me but i didn't like that and i thought about this i thought it was funny so he was spying and now they all when i say they all the warders tam perrin they're all sure that there's gonna be another attack yeah i mean that makes sense they too. just don't know when yeah 
And so it all depends on how many Trollocs came through the ways. Yeah, I love Varen's speculation here. I love her just rambling thoughts. She just like goes off on these like super dark (laughs) and twisted and like demented things. But she just like says it so super normally. She's just like studying. She's like, well, maybe if. Interesting. Yeah, because I know that. And it's uh, so specific. Machin Chin. (laughs) Yeah, Machin Chin would love to like devour Trollocs and oh, maybe they could get through 20 at a time, but blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe they can get through without drawing the Black Wind to them. And Perrin's just like, the way gate needs to be closed immediately. Yeah. I mean, okay, so this does tell us some important information, though, about how Match and Shin works, because he does talk about how the larger the group, the faster Match and Shin will be drawn to that collective group of people. She says if a thousand people, or like through. Yeah, yeah but she too. also speculates that Shadow Spawn might not attract as much as humankind does. But that's one of the big issues, is that the more people there are in one location, the faster Match and Shin will be drawn to that situation. So, I mean... Yeah, it's just funny to me that like we we give credit to the dark like the dark one and everything with like these like clear like logistical traveling like decisions, but he puts all five hundred of his trollocs into one group that attacks one side in front of where everyone is standing. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I mean, we we're also assuming that five hundred is a lot to them right now. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Like 500 might not be very much. That's like a well, whatever force. it sounds force. like a lot though because they've only been attacking groups of like 30 or 40. So 500 is a lot compared to huh? what they've been seeing in and around the whole two It's rivers. the most that they've ever seen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So everything sort of settles. We end on a cliffhanger because there's like a big clamor of something happening from the south near the old road. And Perrin assumes it's more Trollocs. Ah, they didn't think it would happen this fast. But I'm not so sure. You said at the beginning you think it's White Cloaks. White Cloaks. Probably. So, okay. So White Cloaks. You don't tell me where I can. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. So is it like a, is it a White Cloak? attack or is it like a white cloak Quote, bunch of patrol. white cloaks like patrol coming to like yeah coming to like be cause, assholes yeah i wonder if they're gonna come and try to like take more prisoners because they want their prisoners back Ooh, and they are all here so yeah. okay yeah so i guess the big question is like how hot are they coming in i don't know so the whole thing about it being white cloaks i'm like probably 72 percent sure okay i mean that's pretty i good. know it's not trollocs again it's a pass in my book so yeah. Oh, you know it's not Sherlock. I know it's not Sherlock okay. again. <laughs> um, I think it's probably White Cloaks. Oh, okay, okay. I actually don't know what the next chapter is. Oh, I mean, don't tell her. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what the next one is at all. I didn't even look. Okay, but yeah, I think that that's probably good for now. Yeah. On my speculations, because I really don't have much. There actually wasn't that much here. I'm glad Tyler was here. <laughs> it made things really fun and interesting. Sometimes you need that for a parent chapter. I can acknowledge that. <laughs> no, I think we I think we pulled a decent amount out of it. Definitely. I think we pulled so much more out of it than plus all that history you got to like keep restudying yeah, so you can yeah, finally yeah. understand it. So That's true. Mm-hmm. More homework. That's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> Your homework is go reread the first four books. <laughs> it's editing Danny back again here to end off this episode because we did have some technical difficulties at the end of this recording session. I really want to thank Tyler for coming on as our guest. And I'm going to say that this is part of the pattern now. Mm 
thank you so much for listening to this episode. The Wheel Weaves is hosted by Danny and Brett, edited by Danny, produced by Danny and Brett with Passion Socks, Mozime, Moltude, Benjamin, Vince Lewick, Michelle O'Brien, Sarah Wyatt, Jamie Young, Cody Fouts, and Giannis. With music by Audionautics.com. If you're interested in some of our Wheel Weaves merchandise, such as shot glasses, frosty mugs, t-shirts, hats, and more, you can head over to newcreationsbygen.com, and we are located in the groups or collections section. If you're interested in supporting us and helping us to make really great content, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash thewheelweavespodcast, and you'll also get access to some really great bonus content like early access to our regular episodes, bonus episodes, unedited video episodes, access to our live recordings, monthly Q&As, and more like stickers and keychains. Don't forget to find us on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at The Wheel Weaves Podcast. We'd also love for you to join the conversation over at our Discord, and you can find the link to that in our bios on those social medias. We'd love for you to tell a friend about us. Referrals really are the best compliment. We'd love for you to leave a review and subscribe. That really does make a huge difference. Thanks so much again for listening. This really is part of the pattern now.